1: Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we discuss cutting-edge science, the wisdom of the ages, lessons from pop culture, and our own experiences about how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about why you might use the checklist for habit change and how to deal with the challenge of planning office birthday celebrations. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, uh, office birthday parties are a big challenge for you in what you do, mm-hmm. not so much for me.
0: That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA. And Gretchen, I have to thank our many listeners who offered advice <laughs> about dealing with my messy claws. They feel your pain. <laughs> they want to help. Yes, they were. I, I appreciate their thoughtfulness. Um, Yes, many people think I should put a door on the closet. Um, It is thousands of dollars, which is why we didn't do it in the first place. But it is something for me to think about for the future.
1: People suggested other ways of sort of rigging up a door, not putting in a whole door, but kind of doing a door, which sort of don't work for your space. They were good ideas, but they sort of didn't work for your space. Yeah.
0: Um, And then, Gretchen, one idea that stuck with me, um, which I think is a great one, is pairing. It's a pairing thing. It's that the idea that I shouldn't put on my beloved slippers because I love getting home and putting (laughs) on my slippers or my robe until I have put away my clothes for the day. Right. Um, so that would be a way to ensure that I, am taking care of my clothes, whether it's putting it in the laundry basket, hanging it back up, putting it in the dry cleaning pile, whatever it is, dealing with it rather than just leaving it on the floor, which is what I usually do. So I'm going to try that.
1: That's good. That's good. Um, and also, before we want to jump in, I want to remind everybody that January 2nd, uh, if you're listening today, uh, is the last day to get 20% off my new 12-month video course, The Happiness Project Experience. Uh, register at courses.gretchenrubin.com slash happiness. Um, and of course, you can go there even after January 2nd. That's just for the, the discount. And Elizabeth, this week, the try this at home tip is to use the checklist for habit change. Um, and this checklist is a one-page free PDF that you can download. Um, you can go to GretchenRubin.com slash resources, or I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, or you can email at podcast at and I'll send it. Because in this cluster of episodes, we've talked about various ways to approach the new year, to have a happier 2019. Mm. And then today, we're really going to focus on habit change. Because um, for you and me both, and for a lot of people, What we're thinking about is trying to change a habit. And so this is a checklist that's meant to make it easier to think about how to be smart about how you try to change your habits,
0: yeah, Gretchen, When you were writing the Happiness Project and Happier at Home, you realized that so much of happiness is around habits, yeah. and then that inspired you to write better than before about how to change habits. And we've talked before about your checklist for habit change, yeah. Um, but it's so useful to review. You have so many ways that people can like set themselves up for success. Yeah. Um, I printed it out. I have it right in front of me. Oh, it's, good. <laughs> um, it's it's a lovely list um, with many options. So let's go over some of the ways um, that people can help themselves.
1: Yeah, and because, you know, like something like 80% of resolutions are abandoned by February. So you really want to set yourself up for success. And um, I think sometimes when people see the long list that they're 21, they think, oh, this is too many. Just give me three. But it's better to have a big list because then you can pick and choose the ones that are right for you. So I think it's helpful to think about all the options so you really can tailor it to the kind of person you are. So here are the 21 strategies to contemplate. And and so what you might do if you had the checklist for habit change, let's say at the top of the page, you were like, I want to exercise more regularly, or like, I want to meditate every day, something like that. Mm -hmm. Let's pick one, meditate every day. Um, so that's what you put at the top of the checklist because that's what you're working on. So now you're thinking, what of all the strategies can I use toward that aim? So first is the four tendencies. Use your are you in a polder, questioner, obliged or rebel? That's huge, right? That's
0: the self knowledge. Know yourself. Know first, yourself. First and foremost, before you pick these yes. things, you gotta know who you are. Yes.
1: Yes, like if you know you're an obliger, you're going to set things up in a very different way than if you knew you were a rebel. And again, I'll post a link to the quiz if you haven't figured out your tendencies yet. Um, So you use your tendency. Another one is distinctions because distinctions goes Mm. to self-knowledge again, which is like, are you a morning person or a night person? That's going to make a difference. Um, Mm. When it comes to work process, are you a marathoner who likes to work? Start early and work steadily and not come up against a deadline? Or are you a sprinter who likes to do everything at the last minute? Are you an underbuyer like me? Uh, and you, you're an underbuyer, Elizabeth. Um, or overbuyer. Mm-hmm. Like, people have different challenges depending on just, like, what kind of people they are.
0: And then, Gretchen, you have your pillars of habits. These are the four things um, that you think are sort of the basics on how you can keep a habit going. Right.
1: So one is monitoring. Just by monitoring how much you do something, you tend to do a better job. Like, so if I write down every penny I spend, I'm probably going to do a better job of spending wisely. Even if I'm not trying to change what I spend, it just kind of makes you do a better job. So one is monitoring. Foundation is like, okay, first things first. Think about your body. Get enough sleep. Mm -hmm. Don't let yourself get too hungry. Uh, get some exercise, and then clutter. This led me to my book, Outer Order, Inner Calm, because I was so interested mm. in how, for so many people, having outer order helped them keep habits that were totally unrelated to outer order. But it's that sense of like, when you have physical order, you have I- inner order.
0: Mm. And then, Gretch, there's scheduling. And I know for me, this is important.
1: This is huge for me, too. If it's on the calendar, it happens. If it's not on the calendar, you know, something that can happen at any time often happens at no time. If I Put aside a time for it, then it gets done.
0: This is also big for me as an obliger, um, probably the biggest thing, and that's accountability. Oh,
1: yeah. For obligers, accountability is crucial. It's necessary. They have to have it. Outer accountability. If you're an obliger, that is what you need. That is like, of the twenty-one, that's like bing, 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 bing. Accountability. Um, but even for a lot of people who don't, who aren't obligers, accountability can be helpful. But for some people, it's counterproductive. So you want to know. Don't don't assume that accountability works for you. Think about: Do you do better when you're accountable to someone, or do you? not do better when you're accountable to someone. Um, but a lot of, for a lot of people, they do do better when they know someone's watching.
0: Gretchen, you'll appreciate that one of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Teddy Mellencamp, who happens to be John Mellencamp's daughter, is an accountability coach. That's her job. Oh, my gosh. And That's if amazing. She's your, if she's your accountability oh. coach, you have to send her pictures of um, like you're weighing yourself and what you eat, and you have to she check you have to check in with her numerous times a day. I think that's and If fa- you don't fantastic. do it, she kicks you out. If you don't do it, she fires you as a client. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, yes.
1: I feel like I got to send her a book, a copy of The Four Tendencies. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you should. I
1: should. Um, and then and then there's some some strategies that have to do about when do you start. What the what is the best time mm. to begin? There's no bad time to start a good habit. So one thing is like when you're ready to begin, begin now, take those first steps. Once you take first steps, Mm -hmm. then it's going to be easier to follow. But another thing is clean slate. And that is there are certain, we can't always use clean slate. It's only available to us at certain times. But like if you move, that's a great time to start a new habit. Or if you Mm -hmm. start a new job Mm -hmm. or you have a new relationship or your schedule changes in some way. When there's a clean slate, all old habits are wiped away, and so it's a great time for new habits to form. So this is something where you want to be looking for the opportunity to do this, because you don't want to waste it, because you don't realize, oh, this is a good chance to like start exercising more regularly, or start my meditation, because I'm in this new house. Uh, you want to take advantage of it when you can.
0: Yeah, I remember David Sedaris wrote a book about how he moved to, I think it was Japan, yes. to quit smoking.
1: Yes. Right. And, and it worked, and it worked. It's like change everything, and then it's easier to change a deeply held habit. And then there's the strategy of the lightning bolt. This is also a strategy that is not available to us at all times, which is too bad because mm-hmm. it's really powerful and kind of effortless. This is when you get a new idea or a new piece of information, and then habit change just is easy. It's like a very common thing is like somebody finds out they're pregnant and they quit smoking, um right. or they quit drinking, or you know, whatever. Just one piece of information, everything changes. And, of course, as I often talk about, um, I read Gary Taubes' book, Why We Get Fat.
2: Mm. Oh, and
1: overnight, I changed everything about the way I ate. Like, not gradually, not substitutions, not mm-hmm. incremental change. It was, like, overnight. Um, but it's fru- it's frustrating. You can't make yourself experience the lightning bolt. So it's a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think that's the easiest way to have a habit change, but the hardest to to get because it just it's sort of a deus ex machina.
1: It is. It is, but one of the things is sometimes people feel like it's not real because of the way that it happens. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to acknowledge that this is a way that habits change, and so you want to support it once you've experienced it. Mm-hmm. Um, don't assume that it's going to keep happening or that the fact that it was effortless once means it's going to be effortless again after sort of the moment has passed. You want to sustain something if um, a positive lightning bolt has hit you.
0: Let the lightning bolt work.
1: Let the lightning bolt work. Well, I'm not, And here's one of the ones that's really interesting to me. And this is a strategy that works really well for some people, but not at all for others. So again, you got you to know yourself, which is abstaining. For some people, it's easier mm. to do something not at all, never, than it is to do something sometimes, especially like strong temptation. So it's easier for some people to have – like for me, it's easier to have no sweets than to have a little bit of sweets. I can't have a little bit of sweets. If I have right. one bite-sized Snickers, I'm going to have 10 bite-sized Snickers. But I can have no bite-sized Snickers. But then some right. people th- – those are abstainers. And then moderators are people who want to have something a little bit or they want to have it sometimes. So they want to – remember our old, our fir- very first producer, Henry Molowski, was – a moderator, and he would say his mother would mm-hmm. send him fine chocolate, and it would go stale in his desk drawer because he'd just have like a piece yeah. or two every week. And I'm like, man, that whole yeah. thing would be gone. Yes, but he's a moderator. Yes.
0: Amazing. And then there's the strategy of convenience, Gretchen. And I think this is one that people don't think of a lot, but is so important.
1: Well, this is hugely important. It's one of the strategies that works just about for everyone. Everyone's affected by convenience. And also the, twin, the next tw- strategy is the, the twin strategy, inconvenience. Anything you mm. want yourself to do, make it as convenient as possible. If you don't want to do it, make it inconvenient. We are enormously influenced by the teensiest change in convenience and inconvenience. There's hilarious research looking at this. My favorite is that if there's a salad bar where people have to use tongs instead of spoons, they take less food Mm -hmm. because it's just that much harder to get the food. So use this to your advantage. Like if you wanted to get yourself to do something, grease the wheels.
0: Yeah, Gretch, I remember you telling me that when you, um, like when your gym was half a block further from your house, you didn't go as often as when it was like directly on your route.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Little things, little things really matter. Um, and then, sort of on the taking a different view um, is the strategy of safeguards. And this is where you plan for failure. Um, Sometimes people Mm. feel like they shouldn't acknowledge the fact that they might fall off the wagon or struggle. Planning to fail is good. You want to do if-then planning. Like, if I go to the party, Mm. then I will stand far away from the buffet table. Um, If I travel, Mm. then I will find out um, what hours the gym is open, you know, or whatever. Um, But you want to build in those safeguards um, and really kind of anticipate challenges because it's a lot easier to deal with them when you're thinking about in advance.
0: Yeah, don't just let yourself go, oh, well, I'm here, so I'm going to just completely uh, crumble.
1: Right, 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 right. Um, And the next one is my favorite. I mean, I really shouldn't have favorites. But this was (laughs) the most fun chapter to write, and I had to like cut out so much material because I was just gathering and gathering Mm -hmm. and gathering hilarious examples of loopholes. This is the strategy of loophole spotting, where you look for the reasons that you're letting yourself off the hook. And this often happens Mm. unconsciously. We don't even realize that we're invoking a loophole. There are 10 categories of loopholes, like lack of control how could I possibly exercise? I'm on vacation. Um, or the tomorrow loophole. I'm going to be so good starting tomorrow. It doesn't matter what I do today. Mm. Or moral mm. licensing. I've been so good. I deserve a day off. Or, you know, plan- planning to fail, which is when you're like, Oh, I decided to walk home from work a different way. Why not just like walk down this block? Oh, my Mm. goodness. Look at that. It's my favorite bakery. (laughs) I forgot it was on this block. Who could walk by my favorite bakery without getting a croissant? It's like, why are you even on that block? It's nowhere near your office, you know. Mm. Um, So loophole spotting is tons of fun.
0: And then what is the strategy of distracting?
1: So distraction is when you just try to distract yourself from whatever it mm. is that is bothering you or that's that's pulling you away from your good habits. So if you feel like, oh my gosh, I really, really want to go in there and get those cookies out of the pantry or whatever, like do something to shake yourself up, distract yourself. Mm. Um, because a lot of times, if you don't think about something, kind of the impulse passes. So you really want to use mm. distraction as your friend.
0: Well, oh, that's good. Um, And then reward, which seems like the opposite of what you're going for here.
1: Reward is very complicated. It's a very, very complicated uh, thing to invoke. Many people think this is the way to create a habit, and it just doesn't work in the long term. It's like two, It's like a whole huge thing, but I would warn anybody, really the reward for a good habit is the habit itself. The reward for mm. yoga is you feel so great because you're doing yoga. Don't go out and say, oh, and then I'm going to buy myself an iPad if I've done it 20 times. Let mm. the reward be within the habit itself.
0: Okay. That's profound. That feels very zen.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, it is. It is. Rewards don't work in this context, in this way. But, okay, you can't use reward, but you can use treats. And this is the most popular strategy. This is the best, the most fun strategy, which is the strategy of treats. But a treat is not a reward. A reward, you have to earn it. You have to justify Mm. it. A treat is like, Elizabeth, you've been working hard. You feel like uh, doing a crossword puzzle. And you love crossword puzzles. you got a little book of crossword puzzles. You're just going to sit right down right now and do a crossword puzzle because... You like to do them. You're not justifying it. You're just doing something because it feels good. And because you want to, and and you want it to be something healthy. You don't want to do something to make yourself feel better, which in the end just makes you feel worse. You want to have a healthy treat, um, but you do want to treat yourself.
0: Yeah, you should probably change that to healthy treats because there are those of us who see the word treats and immediately think, you know, Reese's peanut butter cup. Right, right.
1: But but treats are important, even if they're healthy treats, because when we give more to ourselves, we can ask more from ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so when you're giving yourself treats, you kind of have the energy that you need to have that self-mastery. So I think sometimes people try to take everything out. It's like mm. you need to get a recharge. You're going to get it one way or another. So pick something that's a good treat.
0: Yeah, and then, Gretchen, um, there's pairing, which I find incredibly useful. Um, as we mentioned at the top of the episode, one of our listeners suggested I should pair putting on my wonderful slippers with putting away my clothes. Right, and that's how
1: pairing works. If there's something that you want to do, you pair it with something that you have to do or that you want to do, and then it's like, it's not a reward, it's just that these things go together. If you want to put on your slippers, the clothes have to be put away. They just they just are paired up. And yeah, this is this is surprisingly effective. It sounds so simple, but over and over, people are like, wow, this really works.
0: Okay, then, Gretch, next, um, there's clarity. Clarity is just if
1: it's clear what you're asking of yourself, you're more likely to do it. Um, So it's like, don't just say, I'm going to eat healthfully. You want to say, I'm going to pack a lunch at home. And bring it to work every day because I know I will save Mm -hmm. time and eat fewer processed foods if I do this. So you want to be very clear on what are you expecting of yourself? Why does this matter? Why are you asking this of yourself? This is very important for questioners because they're very focused on efficiency and justification. They need that clarity. If you are a questioner and you're having trouble following through on a habit, my advice is usually is go to clarity. You probably do not have clarity the way you need it in order to move forward. So that's very important for Mm -hmm. questioners.
0: Um, And Identity.
1: Identity, this is very important for rebels because they do things because of their identity. But this is a powerful idea of all for all of us, which is remind yourself of what your identity is, and then it's easier to change the habit because it feels like being true to who you are, authentic. So remind yourself, like, I'm an athlete, or I'm an animal lover, or I've always been interested in good mm-hmm. health and wellness and taking care of my body. And then the more you think about your identity, the more you're going to want your habits to be a reflection of that identity. And that again, that's very, very important for rebels because that's the most compelling thing for them is I'm doing this because I choose to do it because it's the kind of person that I want to be not because somebody tells me to not because I'm supposed to but because that's who I am I'm a musician of course I practice every day Mm. what does a musician do a musician practices because a musician wants to put music out in the world and music wants to have the chops um and so that's a very important idea for rebels
0: and then finally, Gretchen, there's the strategy of other people. This is big for obligers, I think.
1: Uh, this is big for everybody. Like, if I had to pick one that I would write a whole other book about, I think I would pick other people. Because it is crazy the degree to which we pick up habits from other people. You know, even things like if one member, like in a married couple, if one person quits smoking, the other person's more likely to quit smoking. Um, we just are constantly exchanging habits. So you want to think about the habits of the people around you because it's very hard to have habits – that are different. So, if everybody around you is really frugal, you're gonna find it easier not to spend. If everybody around you is like mm. spending money like water, you, it's hard to resist that pull. So, you wanna think about other people. We think of ourselves as acting in a vacuum, but actually, other people's habits have a huge effect.
0: So, everybody can just sort of look at this list and figure out what's going to work for them and then keep track.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to take this to the next level, I did do a journal, the Better Than Before Day by Day journal. And that this has, then you can do things like tracking, don't break the chain, and you can take notes and mm. it has a lot of reminders. Um, so, there's that for people who want kind of a journal thing that goes through the strategies. But the one page checklist is if you want something like to put up on your cork board. Um, mm. to go through it. Um, so let us know if you do try this at home and use how using the checklist for habit change works for you, what habit strategies are most attractive to you. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, go to the show notes. This is happiercast.com slash 202 for everything related to this episode.
0: Coming up, we've got a happiness hack about how to have better conversation with your taciturn child. But first, this break. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince dot com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and three hundred sixty five day returns. That's QUINCE dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and three hundred and sixty five day returns. Quince dot com slash Gretchen. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
1: So listen, we have a happiness hack that is a way to foster conversation uh, by making it feel like a game.
0: Yes, this comes from Christine. She says, I have three boys. My seven-year-old is a rebel, nine-year-old is a questioner, and 12-year-old is an upholder. My husband and I are obligers. Whenever we ask our kids to tell us about their day, we get the usual good or nothing. The oldest will respond to specific questions and will sometimes elaborate, but the other two, no. So occasionally I'll ask them rapid fire quiz style questions to find out more about their day. Things like favorite friend today, slowest time period, best subject, most enjoyable playtime, funniest thing your teacher said, etc., This really gets them to open up and I hear little snippets of their day that make me feel like I was right there with them. The categories are limitless and they like the rapid fire style so they can just answer and move on. But usually it leads to more detail. It's really helped our communication as they sometimes ask me questions too. (laughs) An actual conversation. Yeah, well, I love this because, Gretchen, I'm for sure with Jack, I'm like, how was your day? Good. What happened? Nothing. I mean, it's exactly what she's saying.
1: Um, well, it's funny, too, because I was at a parents meeting of eighth grade parents and an, a, a, the parent of an eighth grader was complaining about this. And I was like, I have a solution for you to try. Try this hack. And so like just oh, this morning, nice. um, I suggested this to somebody and she seemed like really excited to try it. So I think it's a really, really oh, smart good. tip. Yeah. So thank you, Christine. Yeah, I'm going to
0: do it with Jack. Yeah.
1: Excellent. And now Elizabeth, listener question. As always, you can leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336, which is also 77-HAPPY-336, or you can email us or send us a voice memo to podcast at gretchenrubin.com.
2: Yeah, so let's listen to this week's question from Katie. Hi, Gretchen and Elizabeth. This is Katie from the UK. I would love to get yours and your listeners' opinions on work birthdays. In my office at the moment, it's very ad hoc, and a few key people will take it upon themselves to buy cards and sometimes a small present. The person that organised the card and present will either pay for this out of their own money, or ask around colleagues for contributions. I definitely don't mind being the person organising cards and presents, but also don't feel comfortable either paying for these out of my own money, or chasing people for money, as people hardly ever have cash on them, especially not small change. I'm also an obliger with people-pleasing tendencies, so asking for money doesn't sit very well with me. <laughs> At a recent all-staff meeting, I floated the idea of a birthday club where people can opt in, pay towards birthdays throughout the year, and then a couple of people will organise cards and presents out of this fund. But it didn't go down very well. Do yourselves or listeners have any good ideas or examples of how birthdays in the workplace have been done well? Thank you so much.
0: Bye. Bye. Interesting. Mm, well, I think a lot of people grapple with this, Gretchen. There's a lot of discussion around office birthdays.
1: Well, so how do you're in an office? How does your office deal with it?
0: Well, you know, I'm lucky because in Hollywood, um, it seems. I think this is sort of true across the board that production mm. pays for birthday cakes. Mm. So, um, you're not chasing down individual Ah. people to get cash for a birthday cake or a present. And we don't do presents. We just do a cake. Uh And, you know, I used to be completely against this. And I thought, why do we even need to do this? Who cares? But... you know, through my own personal growth, I've come to embrace birthday celebrations at the office. And also, uh, just as a side note, we don't necessarily have cake. Like when it was Sarah's birthday, we had little shots of green juice. Yes. So you can do something that's right for the person. But the yeah. point is, we do pay. The office itself pays for it, which mm-hmm. I think is much easier.
1: Yeah, so I wonder if in another office, if you could go to the office manager or HR or something and ask, like, could there be a budget for this? Maybe there's not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, But maybe there would be. And then that would be one way to solve it.
0: There especially might be, Gretchen, if they said once a month. So some offices mm-hmm. celebrate all September birthdays on the same day. right? Um, and that definitely cuts down on the cost.
1: Right, right. Um, well, also, she said, you know, it's sometimes cards and presents. And I feel like that... Maybe you just say card, because especially right. if some people are getting a present and other people aren't, you can, people can get their feelings hurt, and that's a yes. lot more involved. I mean, if you're getting a card, you can go online and get like a box of assorted 40 cards for very little money, and then you just have a box somewhere, and when it's somebody's birthday, people just pass it around. So I think there's a way to do a card where you have the thoughtful gesture, but it's, it's not a financial or time burden for people.
0: Yeah, or everyone could get the same thing like a balloon. Like, so yeah. whoever, it's their birthday, they have a balloon tied to their chair. And then you know on your birthday that's what is going to happen and, and you don't feel slighted. But here's the
1: other thing that I would say that Katie should think about. And and I wonder, and this is an obliger thing, and she says she's an obliger, is sometimes obligers will do work. They think that they're fulfilling expectations that people would like to have fulfilled, But sometimes people don't want the work done or don't care, and so they're not cooperating because they're like, I don't care that you're doing this, so I'm not making it easier for you because I don't really want you to do this. And she did say in the meeting that Mm -hmm. people didn't seem Mm -hmm. up for it. like They didn't seem supportive of her idea, which seems like a very... Good solution, and yet people weren't supporting it. So maybe you're in an office where people are like, "We don't really want to celebrate birthdays." And Katie, if you want to go out and deal with it, that's fine. But I'm really, I'm not yeah. going to take turns, or even feel particularly obligated to make it easy for you to get reimbursed.
0: Mm, yeah, I mean, if you're the only person who cares, there's not a lot you can do about it. Yeah. Unless you just want to say, I'm going to do this because I enjoy it, and yes. not worry about everyone else. No,
1: and that's the thing. And that's maybe why you get the little the box of cards uh, that it's very inexpensive because then it's like, oh, it's fun and it's festive and I like being the one to pick the card and pass it around, but I'm going to do whatever makes it fun for me um, and not expect that other people are going to contribute. I also feel like things are hard when they're volunteers. For anything mm. that people really want to get done, I'm like, make it a job. Make it part of someone's job so that they they know to do it, they get credit for it, people cooperate with them when they're doing their job. It's Because when people do it as a volunteer you can get in this resentment and free riding and all kinds of complications.
0: Yeah, and one thing I would mention, Gretchen, when she said she brought up the idea of people putting money into a birthday fund is that people in offices make different amounts of money. Yes. So then it gets into a thing where is the person who's making the lowest amount of money expected to put in the same as yeah. the person who's making the highest amount of money? And yeah. then who's deciding who puts in what? And yeah. it, it can get very tricky and yeah. very um, sensitive. Yeah. Gretchen, of course, your um, favorite show, The Office, dealt <laughs> with this issue of office birthdays. Yes.
1: Jim tried to reform the office birthday policy and he <laughs> met he met with major pushback. And uh, Michael Scott explained to him, it's a rookie mistake. You got to, you got to let the office birthdays unfold in the way um, that people want them to unfold. Yes, there is no situation in life for which there is not an allusion to an episode mm. of the office for sure.
2: <laughs> it's birthday month. Creeds is today. Oscars is week after next. Meredith's is at the end of the month. Michael usually goes with red and white you streamers know what? for. I have an idea. Why don't we just do one big shared party? What? so
0: it's a it's an issue that many deal with thank you for bringing it up katie and um love to hear if our listeners have ideas for the whole office birthday it it keeps coming up it does next up i give myself a demerit related to my son's birthday but first this break
1: Okay, Elizabeth, it's time for Demerits and Gold Stars, and this week it's your turn to give a demerit.
0: All right. Well, first of all, Gretchen, I've given myself this demerit before, <laughs> and it's one of the worst ones, Aww. and I feel sick just thinking about it, so I'll just say it, and we can cruise through it very quickly, which is that I have not planned my son Jack's birthday party, Um I don't know why, I just haven't, and it's terrible, and in case you're wondering, yes, he wants a birthday party, he Mm. cares about his birthday party, Um, I already floated the idea of not having a birthday party, that did not go over, and it's just, it's eating me up inside, and yet I feel paralyzed.
1: Well, do you know what kind of birthday party he wants?
0: Well, part of the issue is he's had laser tag the last couple of years Uh. and I sort of had that down and now he's not sure he really wants to have one at home. But of course, that's a lot more work for me. So I'm still trying to push the laser tag. So um, that's part of the issue. I should probably just embrace what he wants to do and and move forward rather than hoping he'll change his mind.
1: (laughs) Um, well, you'll feel a lot better once it gets on the calendar. Like When this has Ugh. happened before, it's like it's, it was such a big relief to you um, yes. just to like, get it planned and know that it was going to happen, and then you feel so free. Yeah,
0: so I'll report back after we finally deal with this, and oh, it's just such a bad mom feeling. Aww. It just it makes me sick. Aw. Um, cause I, of course I care about him having a great birthday, great birthday party.
1: But his birthday is right near Christmas and that's a tough time for birthday. I mean, I know that cause my birthday is also really near Christmas and it just like adds this layer of complication and like you have to move it around.
0: Yes. That's part of why it gets put off because yeah. I don't have it by his actual birthday because everyone's going to concerts and parties and you know it's just not a good time for a birthday party and so because I because it's not then there's it's sort of your thing if it could happen anytime it happens never yeah it's that that problem yeah yeah Uh, but let's let's move past that tell (laughs) us your gold star Gretch.
1: well I want to give a gold star to a company I want to give a gold Mm. star to Pantone because Mm. I am obsessed with color ever since we've talked about signature color so many times on the Podcast, and I it got me so interested in color that I did that little book, My Color Pilgrimage, which I need to figure out what to do with it now. Um, and so I pay a lot of attention to Pantone because Pantone is this company; they're a paint company, but they also do they're they're very very influential in product development and. Purchasing decisions, fashion, furnishings—they um, do the color of the year. They've been doing that for twenty years, and it's always a big deal. Like, what is the Pantone color of the year? Uh, spoiler alert: so What is
0: it this year? You know,
1: living coral. Mm. You know, I'll post a link in the show notes so you can see the color, living coral. They they shine a spotlight on color with this color of the year, and um, but also the way the Pantone has these color swatches and this color matching system. People have really embraced it and done extremely creative projects with it. For instance, I think a lot of people know about this graphic designer named Andrea Antoni, who uses Pantone to match the color of landscapes and cityscapes. And he will take pictures, and then he kind of manipulates Pantone color swatches to match. And there's just something really beautiful about it and the way it calls out color. When you're looking at a picture, it's, it's extremely satisfying and engaging. There's a Brazilian artist named Angelica Das who's been doing this project where she matches subject skin tones to hues from Pantone, mm-hmm. and she's done this whole uh, project called, hum- I don't know how to pronounce it, like Humane, um, where it's all these people uh, like standing like, uh, with their faces in front of their, their dominant Pantone color, which she does by uh, taking a clip from around their nose, and it's just fascinating to look at. I even got a cookbook that a friend gave me who knows I'm obsessed with color. called It's called mm. Pantone Food Mood. And it's a cookbook that takes its inspiration from Pantone Colors And the the design of the color chips. And this is the thing people like get really into the the design of the color chip. Um, I even brought a fan deck for myself to have a fan deck of Pantone. So I can just like fan I was wondering if
0: you had one of those. Yes,
1: for no good reason. Just because like, ooh, I just want to hold color in my hand. So I've got the fan deck. Um, I'll post a a picture of what that is. Um, So I just think Pantone has just somehow... I love color. I'm totally fired up about color. And I feel like Pantone has really grounded people in a way to point at color, look at color, talk about color, and showcase the role of – the beautiful role of color in the world in a way that's just – Um, Really, like, no one else is doing it. So gold star Pantone. Gold star for Pantone. I should have some, like, I should have looked up some, like. We
0: should know the number, yeah. Etruscan Yellow
1: 125 Pantone or whatever. But, yeah, love Pantone.
0: Yeah, Gretchen, you cannot get enough color. You're a color maniac.
1: (laughs) Yes, I am. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Use the checklist for habit change as you think about changing habits in 2019. Let us know if you tried the checklist and whether using this like one-pager uh, helped you.
0: Thank you to our producer, Bob Tabador. Also, thanks to everybody at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram, at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com.
1: I'm not even going to say it this time. I'm not even going to (laughs) say, please be sure to tell a friend. Please be sure to subscribe to us, rate, review us. I'm not even going to say that. Uh, but mm-hmm. I will say the resources for this week. Remember, if you want a pre-order bonus about Outer Order Intercom, I worked really, really hard on this bonus. It's cool. Um, go to OuterOrderIntercomBook.com, and that's a way that's where you can submit your order number or receipt um, to show that you pre-ordered, and then you'll get the bonus um, when it launches. And also related to the beginning of the year, I have to say, people really love the Happiness Project One Sentence Journal. If you've always wanted mm-hmm. to keep a journal, but you find that you usually stop around, I of January 20th this is just you just write one sentence and a lot of people find that that's a really useful way to keep a journal so you could maybe you got a gift card for the holidays you're Mm -hmm. looking for something to buy buy yourself a journal and if you are wanting to exercise more in the new year this is something that we hear over and over and over again Um, there is a free PDF I created called Exercising Better Than Before I'm at gretchenrubin.com/resources. It's just one page, and it gives you some ideas about how to use the checklist for habit strategies, specifically around the habit of
0: exercise. Mm, mm, I need that. <laughs> Until <laughs> you can get next it for free. week. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Until next week. I'm Elizabeth Kraft, and I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for
1: joining us. Onward and upward.